Welcome to the Outward OPC podcast. Outward OPC is a work of the Committee on Home Missions, and its goal is to encourage zeal for reaching the lost and to be a tool for the OPC and other Reformed churches to be more effective at reaching people outside the church. You can check out the website at outwardopc.com. Now let's get to today's episode. Brad Herzog here for Outward OPC, and today I have Dave Crum here. Dave is a regional home missionary for the OPC in the Presbytery of Southern California. Yep. And if you're not familiar with OPC lingo, regional home missionary means that he oversees church planting efforts and new churches, helps them to get started, helps them to grow once uh, men are there. So we're going to talk to Dave a little bit about that now. Welcome, Dave. Well, it's good to be with you, Brad. So tell uh, the people that are listening, you've got a foreign missions background uh, quite extensively in your time before you were called to be a regional home missionary. So tell us a little bit about uh, being a missionary, where, where that mission work was, and then tell us how that affects your call to be a regional home missionary now. Yeah, real quickly, I'll take it way back, like the college days and my conversion as a junior at the school that I was going to and then being involved in InterVarsity and the Urbana Missions Conference. I knew early in my Christian life that I, my heart's desire was to be a missionary, to take the gospel and then to take it, uh, crossing cultural linguistic barriers, to take the gospel to that part of the ends of the earth that Christ would use, send me and use me. Um, so um, uh, went to study the, um, uh, theology, get an MDiv in preparation for that because I wanted to be a church planting missionary. I needed, needed the theological training. And it just worked out in the Lord's wonderful providence for my life that as I was graduating, the church where my heart and my home was, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, was opening a brand new field to a Spanish-speaking country, the first in her history. So I said, oh boy, I would love to go to Mexico, Baja, California, through the Presbytery of Southern California to, uh, to represent that uh, regional church and, and, of course, to uh, preach the gospel. And how long did you spend in the mission? And just give us a quick thumbnail of what that sort of looked like and how you went about that, some of the experiences and challenges maybe? Real quickly, uh, yeah, my wife and I, uh, let's see, we married in 78. I graduated in 82, came out almost immediately upon graduation, like literally months after, uh, through Chula Vista, California, to uh, Baja, California. And there was the establishment of a one-year internship. I hadn't been licensed, uh, so I needed a lot to get done uh, to, be, to be part of the church and useful to the church. Uh, useful to me, me too, by the way. And uh, ordained in 84, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Jane and I were there. Our four children were born while we were living in uh, Tijuana and beyond, but mainly the uh, greater Tijuana area. That's not to say they were born in Tijuana. I crossed the border four times and just made it to the hospital and brought the baby back with my wife uh, the day after four times. Um, so they were, they were raised there. We... Uh, we went for it. Uh, as I was, you and I were talking earlier in the day, the rule was, and we were pretty strict with it, Spanish outside of the home every time we went out the front door, English inside of the home, unless, of course, we had friends, neighbors, or people of the church in, in our house with us, and then it was Spanish then too. 
uh, our children's formative years. The neighborhood was all Spanish-speaking. The church was all Spanish-speaking. And the school. We decided to send our children to Mexican public school for K through 6th grade. Our goal was that they be thoroughly bilingual, bicultural, know the culture inside out, so to speak. So uh, while you were in Tijuana, you said you wanted to be a church planting missionary. Did you plant some churches? Were you raising up local men to then serve? You know, what what did the actual ministry, I guess is what I'm asking, what did the actual ministry look like yes. with the majority of your time and efforts over those years? Did I start churches and, 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 fi- and find men and work with men? The answer is yes, both and. So I planted uh, three churches. Of course, whenever we use the first person singular, I, that is with qualification, (laughs) but through Bible studies. And one of the things that I've observed uh, upon my return to a lot of people was that the social warmth and cordialness of my neighbors and wherever we would want to start a new uh, church plant was just something that I took for granted almost. Uh, They were most happy to receive a knock on the door with a Bible in hand, come on in. I was just wondering if you'd like to very um, briefly just study the scriptures and hear God's plan for salvation. And I think part socially, culturally, they they would never offend by saying, no, get out of here. Uh, and uh, it was just a wonderful uh, way to, uh, to for me to receive and perceive that new culture, not my own by birth. So we would start with Bible studies, pretty traditional. We did not have core groups. There's no such thing as a core group in Baja, California and Tijuana. We had a nominal Mexican Catholic, I won't get into that, uh, uh, um, milieu. And, um, and, and what I found was that when they were engaged with the Bible, they ate it up. And I've said a couple times, I'll always have Bible in hand, always, when I go inside their living rooms or whatever, because if they remember nothing else of what I said, they have the visual of he looked it up on the scripture to answer each and every one of our questions. He always went to the Bible. And then we would get, you know, a dozen people and a dozen became 24. And uh, our feeding seminary was John Calvin in Mexico City, Juan Calvino. And uh, I would would find the men and get to know the men. They would come leave their Mexico City, which is a massive transition and shift from there to Tijuana. Think uh, Southern California to Juneau, Alaska. It's probably pretty similar there. And yet they would come. And uh, it was wonderful working with them. In probably seven years, we had a group of ordained men, ruling elders, ministers, and deacons. And then that group just grew. So I was involved in the startup of three, but the group was uh, was involved in the beginning of seven churches in the greater Tijuana area. Great. So then you're called back a few years ago to Southern California. You're called to be this regional home missionary to, to help your presbytery start new works and help men who are uh, being called to new works. Can you talk a little bit about how kind of a unique experience decades on the mission foreign mission field now you're back in home missions how does that foreign missionary experience color your call now and and how you go about thinking about church planting and how you help men when they come in and are, are called to a work that's an excellent question um and i'll give you i'll give you a 15 second preface to it um foreign missions committee on foreign missions with general secretary bube uh, mark bube and also doug clausen contacted me, would I be interested in going to Montevideo, to going to Uruguay, to be uh, our missionary for a new field there? 
And at the same time, uh, the uh, RHM for our presbytery who was retiring, Don Poundstone, and the chairman of the missions committee, Mark Schroeder, approached me like within days and said, would you consider being the next RHM? And I'll tell you what, Brad, it was the most difficult decision of my entire life. Why? because I was so eager about either one of them. It was two wonderful next stage options and I did not know which one I wanted. But as I said to Mark Schroeder after he was patiently waiting, he said, Crumb, we need an answer. I said, Doug, uh, Mark, I'm gonna give you an answer soon, but I will tell you this, whichever one I choose, I will not look back uh, because I'm, I'm so excited about this. Um, uh, what it brings is, um, I think my training uh, in Philadelphia in those years under Dr. Harvey Kahn, and then the going and being able to implement some of the wonderful principles he taught me from God's Word and what it means to take on the culture with integrity and, and sincerity and genuineness and to be all things to all people so that by all means possible you might save. Paul even goes so far as to say you might save some. That is, of course, Christ through us. But, th but that, that identifying with the... The, the culture to which you are sent really does reap dividends for coming back to the United States. Now, I alluded to, I didn't say it, but I alluded to the fact that it was, a, it was a rude awakening to Southern California that people really did not care who I was, did not want to get to know me, were not interested in a Bible study, and they weren't bashful about telling me so when I tried try to graciously knock on their door or whatever. So, okay, this is, uh, this is not Mexico. But the question isn't really them. The question is me. Uh, what have I learned and what does it mean to give up uh, what, uh, that which might be in my comfort zone so that I can give myself to this, this, uh, this Great Commission, this wonderful enterprise of showing Jesus Christ and declaring God's glory in the work of the Son uh, to those who are not saved. It's, it's my whole life. It's, it's what's compelled me since I was converted. So when you uh, work with, uh, let's say, a pastor's called to uh, a, a new church plant, and maybe they maybe this is their first call. They, they don't have the foreign mission experience that you have. Maybe they don't even have the ministerial experience. I mean, that's not true of all of our church planners, but some. Uh, how, how does it help you to come alongside that man? You're, I know you're serving on a number of uh, sessions and borrowed, you know, borrowed elder in a lot of places. How do, you, how do you bring that experience and that mentality uh, to these men who maybe don't have it in a way that's helpful to them? Hmm. You're, you're right. They, they, uh, in many cases, they do lack that that experience. Uh, they don't necessarily lack the theory of it, but the doing of it. And I would say that it's that I, I kind of piggyback on what our Committee on Home Missions and Church Extension does. We the, the, Our committee is pretty focused on that. There are wonderful and required, attendance-required seminars. Books have been written. With, we think of planting an OPC, planting an Orthodox Presbyterian Church. And, 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 and so they, they have heard and learned the basics in the classroom, as it were, of our committees. And so what that requires of me is that I know it, that I know what they're being taught at this conference in Florida or by reading that book or whatever it might be. But what I've tried to do, Brad, more than anything else, is be close to the men who are doing the planting of the church, whether they're taking over what I started or whether they are starting it, to, 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 to meet with them and that they know that I am accessible. And then as we talk things through, because there will always be things to talk through 
in planting a church. I mean, there is this almost foreign missionary uh, cold water. Wow, this is this is more this is more consuming than I thought it would be if you if you're starting a new church. But that they know that they have my ear and that I have their back, uh, and and we can we can talk about these things and the challenges that we can spend time walking and talking and praying together. Uh, I, I, I don't pretend to have all the answers because you'd see right through me pretty quickly. <laughs> but, I do, but, I, but I do have experience. And I would be robbing Christ if I didn't draw from it to help the next generation. Yeah, that's helpful. Um, when we think about in these church plants, whether it's you raising up a, a new group to k- kind of get something started or whether you're coming alongside a man who's been called, when you think about 2017 reaching people in America uh, reaching the lost reaching unbelievers how do how do you uh, how do you feel like or what do you think um, your missionary experience brings to that I mean you're back in America uh, we think decades ago of everybody receptive to the church everybody receptive to these yeah. types of things you even when I was when I was a kid yeah and you even mentioned you came back and people weren't interested in Bible studies. What what type of missionary mentality do you bring to planting in the United States? And what would you encourage church planters, not just in your presbytery, but those that are listening? How, how do we bring that foreign missionary mentality back to neighborhoods that we wouldn't customarily think of as missionary fields, but but we probably need to? Yeah, and I think there might be overlap. I I came up with this as you were developing the question. So this thought is new to me regarding being a home missionary. What did you learn on the field? Bring it on home. Um, I said to other American or from other countries, Korean and other missionaries sent to Baja, to Mexico, as we got to know each other, roundtable discussions, conferences, whatever. And And I said, men... I've been here for quite a few years now, and the Mexican, be he a brother in Christ or or a neighbor who appreciates that you want to get to know him, he's looking for two things from you. He's looking for the integrity of your faith and the sincerity of your love. Because, I mean, let's face it, there have been some incidences over the 150 years of the relationship where, where they've seen the other side. And that probably goes both ways. But integrity that you that you believe in this Christ of whom you speak, but that also you love this neighbor, and 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 you're ready to show that. I mean, you might be getting called at two o'clock in the morning because there's a major blow up and somebody's got a gun, uh, or in another case, a panic attack, and your phone rings because the neighbor thinks that you will have the ability as well as the wherewithal to bring this this um, very volatile situation to calm it down and bring the tranquility of the gospel. Uh, so they want to see the uh, integrity of your faith, that you are who you say you are, and that that motivates you to do what you do. But the sincerity of your love for them, uh, that, 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 that you're not here for what you can get out of and take from the culture. You're here for the people of the culture. Now, I think with the modern, or postmodern, if you will, American, and with the change that's happened, I think those same two characteristic and qualities, that those elements, those factors, have come to the fore in in America nowadays. 
that 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 your that your neighbors that you walk with them that you talk with them that you help them when they are in need that you always in small ways and not pretentious or awkward ways give glory to God through Christ but but th but they see that you are a neighbor that they can count on young lady she needs to get to Cole's department store where she works her husband's already left for work and her battery is stone cold dead I've got jumper cables would you Oh, of course, I'd be happy to. I mean, the, the, these, these very little things which go a long way uh, and, 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 and the, our attitude behind them. You know, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not only interested in you because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am ultimately interested in you because of the gospel, but I'm not only interested you in you because of the gospel. And um, so, so this isn't um, me knocking on doors and I just want to uh, have three minutes of your time so I can present the gospel in its most basic form. Although I don't poo-poo that. I think that every evangelist, missionary, pastor, elder, and, and Christian should always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks us to give the reason for the hope that we have, but with respect and gentleness. Eric Watkins said one time, and I'm just amening to this day, be, be nice to people. Just be, just be kind to people. And that's in, a, in one phrase what I'm, what I'm getting at here. And it seems to me, Brad, we, we see the scriptures. And as we see the scriptures, we see that, th that this story, God's drama of redemption is so very, very big and inclusive, but it, right down to the minutia, the very last detail. So it seems to me that if we have a very, well, robust is not the word I'm after, but just a very concrete, down-to-earth understanding that every conversation or potential conversation that I have this day, the guy in the airport, you know, the attendant downtown, that, that, the, that the Lord is, is, is using this to further his will and his purpose for his glory, that makes me very optimistic in every encounter and every exchange. So I go into them asking myself, how will God use me with that man right over there? He's walking his dog. There is not one small detail in my life today that God is not using for his greater purpose. And it's all about him and it's not all about me. If I could just believe that, then I'd be a much better missionary. And, and, and then it seems to me, Brad, that getting contacts, you know, we ask a lot about how do you raise contacts. I've found that they come in bunches. <laughs> you, you meet one and you have a wonderful new relationship with this house down the street. And then through them, you meet two or three more. In Mexico, it, the safety net was the family. So it was really amazing. You would meet uh, a husband, a wife, and maybe new newlyweds with one or two children. And through them, you would meet 40 people and they're all related. This is Hermano David, uh, his wife Juanita. Uh, we're going to have him over. You can trust this guy. You're not going to get that in the United States. There is no family as the safety net, the social safety net in the, in the American culture. Well, then how do you have it? it? It's really through those relationships that they have built through society structures, which are no longer the church. They used to be the church. They no longer are. So you kind of find them, and I do find that contacts come in clusters. Good. Um, shifting gears a little bit on you, uh, your presbytery has Los Angeles as one of its 
uh, areas. Uh, there are no OPC churches in uh, Los Angeles proper. Right. You, you have a number of churches south of Los Angeles, some new and vibrant and with some energy. You've got a new church in Pasadena. How is your presbytery thinking about Los Angeles proper? Uh, urban church planting has been a challenge in some ways in some areas in the OPC. How are you thinking about it? How are you looking at it? And um, what are you thinking there? Well, <laughs> um, my thinking there really has been uh, spurred, spurred on by our two days together. Uh, which, you know, we, we were talking about this from some time ago, and then you wrote me and said, Dave, I will be in Los Angeles. And as I said to you when we were walking and talking yesterday, my personal understanding of L.A., what is L.A., is very cursory, very superficial. What do I know? I'm from a bedroom community of New York City, went to school in Philadelphia, sent me to Baja. So, uh, I mean, did I know San Diego? Yeah. Oh, well, I knew the churches in the greater Los Angeles area and, of course, San Diego. But the city, its heartbeat, zero, besides following sports teams or, or things or movies or whatever. And uh, so, so for personally answering your question there, um, the, the, the presbytery, the, the men of the presbytery, of the church of the presbytery, they think individually about where, what would we do next? Uh, so you have this pastor thinking about a neighborhood to, uh, tw 20, 30 minutes away. You know, maybe we would like to get something started over there. Um, but collectively, not so much. We don't talk about it. And I think that's for the reason that they might say, with smile on face and tongue in cheek, Crumb, that's what we got you here for. <laughs> You're the RHM. That's, that's what we expect you to be doing. And they're right. That's exactly what the RHM is to be doing. So it's kind of funny, but the, these two days are stimulating an understanding of, uh, you know, we've just been walk seeing everything, lay of the land. We've probably driven 200 miles of surface streets in the last two days and, 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 and getting that very preliminary understanding so that the vision would then come and grow out of that. So the short answer to your question is, what are we doing in LA proper? Not much. What would we like to do for LA proper? Well, we've been talking about this since you and John Shaw and James Lim and Chris Hardshorn and others whose neighbors came to the house last year. You came over to my house and we just started talking about Los Angeles. Now I know I'm gonna hear about this because other men will say, well, what about San Diego proper? You know, we've got two churches in the San Diego area. If you go up to North County, we have more churches up there. But in San Diego proper, we don't have any OPCs there. So, you know, what about that? So you're making more work for me. But. So when you, you're in these preliminary stages, you're taking a look around LA, people, people are thinking about it. When you think about the reality down the road, whenever the Lord sees fit, if he sees fit to open the doors, what do you think about in terms of how are you, you don't have a large core group in, in LA. Um, you're going to have a man have to do some work in there. How do you think about sort of that preliminary work? And um, if the, if, if you don't have a core group in there and you're going to be raising people up and it's not just going to be shuffling from one church to another type of thing, how do you think about those early stages. I realize you're not there yet, but how, but how do you think about what are the challenges that your presbytery or any man that, that could potentially be called to that? How are they going to have to go about this work of exploring mm -hmm. LA, mm -hmm. given that there's not 50 people in LA ready calling you saying, hey, could you start a Bible study? You're going to have to go at it a little bit differently, and how will you go about that? Yeah, 
That's an excellent question. What we have done by me tagging along with you for this, the kind of the, the, the wrap up of your month out here is really how you go about starting this. As you and I were talking about, uh, mentioning in the morning, <laughs> LA is just so wonderfully rich and unique in so very many ways. There's probably not another city like Los Angeles in the whole of the United States. So that makes it very inviting and enticing, but, but it's intimidating at the same time. The, fir the first question I think always needs to be answered is where, which part of LA, and what is that like? So as you were pointing out to me, and I was learning yesterday, Culver City is, you know, is, one, is one, you know, it stands on its own. But then we were, this morning we were saying, you know what, Brad, Culver City is not uh, Echo Park. You know, it's not Silver Lake, and you're saying that, that that's right. They're, uh, they they each have their own identity, but they are worlds apart. So the where of it, where would we land, or would it be downtown? Where would it be next to and involved with a university campus? Which one? USC, UCLA. Those are the questions that must be answered first, and then you do more of a precise um, investigation, getting to know that particular one. As, uh, as you're also thinking about and praying about the man that, that God would raise up to plant that church. What would be his specific, what would be the prerequisites of his skill set as, as, as well as where does he fit and fit well? So Dave, maybe tell us a story or two about a couple churches. I know that Pasadena OPC, you're on the session of that church and I've heard some good things about what's happening there. I think the first thing that has to be pointed out is that there have been faithful members of churches of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church and the Presbyterian of Southern California for years that have been praying about, asking about, hoping for a church plant in Pasadena. So, I mean, in terms of, you know, could we ever? This this thing, I was probably pretty new, uh, wet behind the ears in Tijuana, when certain men and, 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 and even elders were, were, were asking about something along north central L.A. County, uh, you know, along the San Gabriel Mountains and the 210 Highway. And also pointing out the whole te time that Pasadena is also something of its own uh, it, you know, it has its very own and distinctive identity, and, uh, and and therefore we would have to be thoughtful, prayerful, and intentional. Um, yes, we have started worshiping. It 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 took. <laughs> it, they say Presbyterians are slow. Uh, the, the core group that was there was patiently waiting for much time. Chris Hartshorn was doing double duty. Uh, leading worship, preaching, teaching in the Sunday mornings, then getting in the car, driving up to Pasadena Sunday evenings, doing a Bible study. I What little I did was just to help him out with that so that he wouldn't be exhausted. But but it, it, did, it did take shape. It did take form. You know, so it was interesting. The RHM, I think one part of that ministry has to be that he's a good listener. And in particular, what I mean by that is not just outreach, contacts, things like that, evangelism, that true, but listening to the men of the Presbytery, uh, the people of the Presbytery. And um, I, I was hearing from the ministers, Dave, have you forgotten about Pasadena? You know, what's the deal there? Is it not on the table? And after, after this time to which I referred, and, and, and then the consolidation of the core group and the enthusiasm, we knew, we knew that it was now or never. We were really going to have to 
you know, kind of kind of get this thing going with Sunday morning worship, finding the man and getting him to the field and, and in the pulpit, or we were going to lose it all together. Uh, the, the, the elders that were on the ground really had this sense, and I, I shared it with them. So it was like the army. My dad used to say, hurry up and wait. <laughs> we were kind of like, wait, 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 hurry up, go, 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 go. And, uh, and it's just been remarkable, Brad, how the Lord has blessed. Uh, we are very thrilled with the man, Reverend Matthew Cotta, who is there, and his family. Beautiful story about how his wife led the wife of another minister in our presbytery, Reverend James Lim. Lois Cotta led, led Taylor Lim to the Lord Jesus Christ when they were in junior high school. Just, just a glorious story, and here we are together again. But the, but the startup, uh, the first worship service, the worship service since we've only had three, maybe four, but it it has been just so thrilling to be even remotely involved. I'll be there there Sunday after the first worship service. The enthusiasm was palpable. There was a buzz. More college students from Providence Christian College turned out than we thought might. And the room was packed and the music was wonderful. It sent a chill down my spine to hear the people singing God's praises with that exuberance. Um, just, just, I'm, I'm so, I'm so uh, stoked. There's a Southern California word. I learned that as a foreign missionary uh, to, uh, to see what the Lord is doing in Pasadena, California. Great. That's encouraging to hear sort of firsthand. We read a lot of these uh, Home Missions Today updates, and they're great and informative, but to hear from somebody who gets to uh, worship there and be part of the session is is encouraging. Yeah. When we were walking around uh, L.A., another uh, kind of story you told me about that I think listeners might like to hear about is you were talking about the church plant in Yuma and what some of the congregation are doing there in terms of inviting people and things like that. Can you give us a little sense, a, a little feel from... Uh, the regional home missionary, what's happening in Yuma and and uh, sure. the encouragements you're seeing there? Sure, I'd be happy to. Now there we did have a core group. Uh, three families in particular that were very committed to Reformed faith, life, worship, worldview. And and, and, and saying in effect, um, come, come over here and help us. Help us plant this church, the whole Miletus uh, vision, and uh, and 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 we knew Yuma would be difficult because Yuma is three hours from everywhere. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it really is, and 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 yet with 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 this uh, desire, and that they that they would not be dissuaded. And that they were willing to wait and work for. I mean, just just a such 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 at this core group. And I could probably say this about each of the mission works, but when I'm not with them, I'm thinking about them. And when I'm not with them on a Sunday, I kind of wish I were. We have a young man. He's from Mid America Reform Seminary. He was ordained and installed this year in the month of May, and he's 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 just such a natural fit. He's a gifted young man, and. Uh, it's, and the Lord is doing amazing things. I've shared with some people in Southern California because we don't know heat like they know heat. But for 90 days, you are in triple-digit temperature every day of the three months of the summer. It's 100 or more. And many of those days are from 110 to 115. The Lord has added to our numbers in the past two summers. We've had, we've had people show up, word of mouth. The members of that church 
Mission Work Church, are so active in the ministry of the gospel. They're helping the, uh, themselves out in the middle of the week, but they're also helping neighbors and friends. So, I mean, it really is an every member ministry. They're inviting people to church. The word is out on the two military bases. There is reformed worship in town. Why don't you come and check us out? So the members are, are invited. I, mean, I know that Jeremy is active in outreach. When I'm there, I have tried to be too. But it's just, it's just been such a heartwarming blessing to see this, this uh, mission work and the people of, of that church kind of rally and, and come together and with one desire and one voice expressing it, um, share the glories of Christ in, in, in the worship of the church. So thanks for taking the time, Dave, and talking about these things. Uh, helpful as we continue to, to, to talk to different men in the OPC about uh, church planting and being uh, outward in our focus and, and thinking about reaching the underchurched people in our communities, thinking about reaching the unchurched people in our communities, uh, and we'll continue to do that. But thanks for taking the time today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's it for today's episode. You can go to the website at outwardopc.com check out more resources and you can sign up for our email list where you'll receive notifications when new things are available. Until then, we'll see you next episode.